Welcome to In Conversation with Our Food Future, the podcast series that's following the expansion of the circular food economy here in Guelph, Wellington. I'm Ashley Cooper, Program Advisor for Our Food Future and guest host of today's podcast. On today's show, we're seeing the circular food system through the eyes of tomorrow's future leaders. We'll look at how they're already making their lives more circular and what they can teach our community about food and sustainability. So let's pull our chairs around the kitchen table and get the conversation started. Joining us today are Leah Hart, a fourth year student at the University of Guelph. Leah has enjoyed growing local produce for three seasons at Ignatius Farm. And in her time there, she's observed the food cycle from the first starting seeds through distribution of the final delicious product. And um, for folks that don't know, Ignatius Farm is a regional leader of local sustainable agriculture and the mentoring of new growers. Stephen Shuttle is a Master of Landscape Architecture student at the University of Guelph. He is interested in the animation of existing public spaces as places for people and food within a circular economy. And Mac Rogers is an alumni and current program coordinator for Evergreen's Future City Builders Program, an initiative designed to support youth in leading innovative solutions that address the systemic barriers involved in building healthier Canadian communities. He's an artist and educator who also holds an MA in economics. Welcome, everybody. I'm delighted that we're having this conversation today with three amazing young people who are passionate about the intersections of the food system, urban space, and community development. So our food future aims to inspire a systemic transformation of our current economy, where the value of products and materials and resources are maintained for as long as possible, and we realize an inclusive, low-carbon, and resource-efficient economy. And in order to truly transform our system, we need young people at the table to experience their own agency and realize the future they want to inherit. So as both a public program and a society, our job is to make the system surrounding youth, especially their education opportunities, more relevant, inclusive, and responsive to their real aspirations and challenges. So, um, Leah, let's start with you. Um, how do you practice circularity in your own life? And what was the last circular choice that you made? Yeah, so in general, I find it's very important to think about like where do things come from and also where they're going. So with food, that means like where is our food coming from? And then the extra food that we can't use, where is that going? But then in just like a more general sense, that can also happen with things like like clothing or the, the recent one I can think of right now is textbooks because I just had to buy a whole ton of textbooks for school. Um, and so things like that, it's, I'm always trying to find ways of getting those that are more circular than some of the other systems we have. So for textbooks, instead of buying them brand new, I tried to look for them in the library because I can just give them back instead of taking them with me after I go, um, or buying them secondhand is the other way that I try to practice circularity. I love that example, Leah, because, you know, the library is sort of the fund this fundamental space that we, you know, take for granted it is like this perfect pillar of circularity. So thank, and also you can save some money. So love that example. Um, Mac, what about you? What, how do you practice circularity in your own life? And, and what was the last circular choice that you made? Um, I would definitely echo what Leah said of just being mindful of consumer choices and thinking through like the full life cycle of the products. Um, so I recently just got a new phone and even the phone case, I was able to get one that's made now of 
fully recycled materials, which is really cool. And I'm also able to um, return my current phone and, and trade that in so that that can be recycled, which is neat. But in addition to that, just like prioritizing what I've heard described as life-based activities. So it's like things we can do because we're alive, like music and art, um, friendship and, and uh, mentorship and, and that kind of stuff. So um, prioritizing those things even above um, instead of you know consumer-based things has been something that's been important to me in the last while. Oh my God, what a great answer. I, I've also been thinking a lot when we think about this, the economy, it's just all about, you know, exchanging goods and just to take a step back and really ask yourself, do I actually need a thing? Maybe I need a hug, <laughs> you know? Um, Stephen, what about you? How do you practice circularity in your own life? Yeah, I try to practice it as much as possible, mainly through trying to buy local food or also trying to get used objects. And for example, I've been finding a lot of objects on the curb in my neighborhood. So this connects to the last circular cho choice I made where I got this table at the curb and then it required some minor TLC. And then now I'm using it as my study desk. So allows me to save money and also allow me to kind of like build skills and kind of like it brings in that sense of craft and like really care which I think is important for circularity, so. Yeah, I love that, Stephen. You've got the share in there and the the right to repair and, you know, seeing repair as like, you know, a, an, a revolutionary act, you know, it's like, it can be hard to repair something, but you still are investing the time and energy. So that's really cool. Um, so, I mean, I have a whole list of questions to ask you folks about um, circularity today, and hopefully we'll make it through them, but we might not. Um, so let's let's dive in. What issue um, in the food system most concerns you as a young person today? Mac, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I think this is kind of broad, but just climate change in general, um, and just the mainly the irregularity of of weather patterns, and and just seeing the ways that that affects. Um, the food that we can grow, you know, confidently and, and regularly. I have a friend who lives in Guelph who works in the like agricultural industry and he supports local farms and stuff in planning their year and their crops and everything like that. And he's just said, he just said to me, that's kind of the biggest challenge that he sees uh, moving forward is just how to support farmers and being able to predict something that's increasingly unpredictable. Um, so that's definitely the big one, obviously for me standing out. Thanks, Leah. I feel like you'll probably have some some concerns to echo. I'm going to turn it to you as a farmer, yeah. as the farmer on the panel. I have many comments on this because I spent three seasons working at a farm now. And in that time, I've seen a lot because I've had the opportunity to be in many different positions there. So this past summer, I was working a lot in sales. So I started to see the distribution aspect more of food. And one thing I reflected a lot on in that time is the whole like the way our system works and where our food is coming from it, it kind of astounds me that so much is imported from other places like I always think especially of things like lettuce and strawberries and so much of that comes from places like California even though we have farmers here who are growing that and it's so much better when you get it local uh, and in season so I'm always wondering like why 
do we import so much food instead of buying the food that is grown here? And even if I walk into a grocery store or something like that, a lot of them don't actually carry local fruits and vegetables. And I kind of wonder why that is. So that have been a few of my thoughts. Um, and the other thing, I've actually already mentioned this, like where food comes from and also where it goes. So the other thing is food waste. And I get worried about the amount of food that goes to waste. Thanks, Leah. I wonder that often too, you know, I feel like strawberries that are imported are not even the same fruit as strawberries that we grow here. They need different names and we need to potentially start rethinking this idea of needing all the things all the time. You know, I feel like the strawberry moment would be so much juicier if we just waited till June every year and had the ones from Ontario. I very much agree. It's, it's much sweeter when you don't have it year round. If you just get it once per year, like then I look forward to June every year because I know strawberries will be coming. Yeah. Um, Stephen, what about you? What issue in the food system most concerns you? Yeah, I kind of see this as a uh, twofold. So if you would have asked me pre-COVID, I would say what concerns me is despite how important food is in our everyday life and for our communities, we don't really value it in the design of our use of public space. And then today that I would add on that that's still important, but also the impacts of COVID on the food system and on local small businesses that are food related and also just on the ways that people gather and enjoy food together. I think there's an impact on how food impacts the spaces within our cities. So I think there's more, there's an opportunity for more places that celebrate food and also connections with people. So I think, yeah, about like places like downtown Guelph, there's a lot of like existing parking lots, places for cars. Um, and I think there's opportunities for creating things where we bring together people, businesses, local organic organizations to celebrate food and push more towards that circular economy. I agree. It's uh, with COVID, we just, we lost this ability to connect and food is like this awesome way to actually bring people together, which seems more and more like we need that more and more today. It's a great point. Um, this is something I'm, I'm super curious about. Um, does the idea of the circular economy resonate with your peers? Like I, I, I can see and hear that the three of you understand the circular economy, but is it a term that your friends are using or is it a term that you can unpack for your friends and they can understand it? Um, or is it missing the mark with your peers? Um, Stephen, why don't you start? Sure. So I think the, the idea of a circular economy um, with this promoting more value and less waste resonates with me and my peers. Um, and I know a lot of designers and frequently they're talking about these ideas of adaptive reuse and attempting to try to make this more viable. Um, but I don't know if they're using the terms circular economy specifically, but I think the intent is there. I'm glad to hear that the designers are, are thinking a bit about things like that, especially with something like planned obsolescence, which seems to be like the scourge of waste in in our world right now is all these companies just actually designing for waste, which is terrifying. 
Um, what about you, Mac? Does the idea of the CE resonate with with the folks that you're talking to, the the people that you're programming with? Um, this question was really interesting to me because it made me realize the ways that I'm actually not having these conversations as much with my friends. Obviously, at Evergreen, these things are pretty popular and and there's a mutual understanding there. But um, in my friend group, I realized that I'm not having these conversations as much and I'm I'm inspired now to to go do that and see that because I think I got really burnt out on environmentalism and stuff and, and sustainability. And I switched to these more like life-based activity kind of focus, art and and music for the last five years, kind of before the pandemic. Um, and so I realized the ways that's influenced my conversations and and made me less likely to talk about those things and I feel that resurgence of really wanting to start those conversations again. So it was a great moment of reflection for me just in that question. I think uh, without having those conversations though, like the basic themes, like Steven said, maybe the language isn't circular economy, but those values I, I'm pretty confident are held and would be received and resonate. But um, yeah, I think I need to be a little more explicit about testing those things out agree on the you know the covid fatigue too and you know there's also this sort of sense of that i'm hearing about climate grief you know so there's this spectrum of like reactions when you want to talk about or you feel like you want to talk about environmentalism or what's going on in the world and it can range from you know optimism all the way over to climate grief so um, but you have to be you know you have to feel energized yourself to be able to enter into those conversations so Thanks for that heartfelt message. Um, what about you, Leah? Is are you are you hearing about people use the term circular economy? Yeah, so I agree with both Stephen and Mac here. Actually, um, I think this is something that is on a lot of young people's hearts, and it's especially the topic of climate and all the change happening there. That is a big topic, but I don't often hear the term circular economy. In fact, I'm even, it took me a long time to quite figure out what that meant. I'm still not quite sure. But um, because of that, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's there, but it's not always explicitly thought of that, oh, a circular economy could be a solution to some of these problems. And yeah, I find it kind of depends on the person in the social group I'm with, because at my job, I know a lot of people, this is something that is important to them and that it's a community that they have helped and that has helped them. Um, and the same thing is for me, but in other places, it's not so prevalent. And I think one of the things or one of the problems with the whole, I guess the whole system as an entire thing is that we tend to hide the parts of it we don't want. So like the waste, we hide that and the energy consumption, we hide that. So then it doesn't always even occur to you what all the problems are because you don't see them because we hide them. Um, so yeah, that's that's my thought on it, where young people are coming from. And that, you know, obviously overwhelmed, you know, a lot of them just with so many um, pressing issues right now. Um. I, I don't, I often think about how difficult it is for young people right now to think about their future and, you know, try to get, you know, build up that energy that you have to actually like um, contribute meaningfully to, you know, society. Um, so 
that being said, what do you think, what do young people need um, to be able to lead us towards a more sustainable food system? Um, Stephen, do you want to start? Sure. I think as young people are still kind of establishing their own food preferences, while I think education could be beneficial, I think there's a need to kind of avoid this kind of eat your veggies style of approach. Um, but I think if there's some, maybe some opportunities for more encouraging the enjoyment of food within everyday life, I think there could be opportunities to get young people more interested as kind of a way to potentially overcome some of these sense of grief. Um, and I think also understanding what young people are faced with, with things like the combination of busy schedules, limited food budgets, and limited access to cooking or food consumption areas. And then maybe moving towards something that, and uh, within the circular economy, imagining these like circles. And then these are just three that I can think of, but I'm sure there's more like a circle of something that's like low cost, a circle that's convenient and nutritious food choices. So like something where all those things overlap. Um, I think understanding some of those things that'll help young people be able to lead us towards a more sustainable food system. Thanks, Stephen. That's those are some great points, especially just thinking about, you know, the limited agency that many young people have on the choices they get to meet, you know, regardless if they want to eat well, the budget issue, um, access to all the resources when you're on campus to be able to make a healthy meal. It's a really good, great points. Um, Leah, what about you? What do you think young people need to be able to lead us toward a food um, secure system? Yeah, I was thinking about this question and reflecting on it a bit. And what I have from my own personal experience, what helped me was the education aspect. So when I started working at Ignatius Farm, I had the chance to learn a lot there. And that was where it really became relevant to me and where it became more important to me. Uh, and where I had the chance, I think, to help with the circular economy and all those projects. Um, so I think it's, it's people need opportunities to learn and to work. So companies that are willing to hire young people, um, I think they need opportunities to use their creativity because young people have a lot of good ideas. Um, and there was one other, oh, to reflect more on Stephen's point, I, I like his idea because it sounds to me almost like celebration, like being able to celebrate what circular economy means and what can come from it. And I, I like that a lot. So I think the opportunity to celebrate good food and circular economy. And I, I also love your point about the need for place-based, you know, hands-on education where you can actually experience aspects of the food system, you know, um, be it in a grocery store or in a, on a farm or, you know, there's so many different um, ways that you can interact, but when you're working and you're getting paid and you're actually experiencing the system in a completely different way. Um, what about you, Mac? What are the future city builders saying that um, we need to build a more sustainable food system? Yeah, I would definitely echo a lot of what's been said of just that piece of agency and, and the chance to lead. I think some of the things that have been most exciting for me recently and like energizing have been things that have been youth led, like the Fridays for Future and um, a group in Toronto, Climate Justice Toronto. Um, and then obviously plug for future city builders. Like I get so inspired just getting to watch 
um, these young people, you know, take action and and tackle these problems themselves. I think there's like a a fresh energy to it and a passion that's just really embodied, which is really exciting. And then I think also I'd say the point of just like celebration that kind of came up and like a counterbalance to that grief and intense like existential dread of it all. So like reminding the remembering the good side of it, you know, so like connecting with nature and having really those moments that you remember what you're doing it for and that like social connection too, I think those things are really important. Yeah, this, we keep coming back to this, like this need for celebration. We've been so starved of it, you know, but it's like a fundamental key to, you know, if how we experience each other and um, you won't protect something unless you know it and love it. So um, this has been such a, an inspiring conversation today. Um, I really, really am inspired by the three of you um, and the work that you're doing. Um, and uh, I, I realize that um, we have a lot to learn um, from young people and we owe it um, to young people in building, in building this movement for a circular food economy. So thank you so much for joining us and uh, I wish you all the best. I'm Ashley Cooper, Program Advisor for Our Food Future and today's guest host of In Conversation with Our Food Future. Thanks for joining me today. If you have ideas for a show or comments, you can email us at foodfuture at guelph.ca. Until next time, take care and let's keep the conversation going on foodfuture.ca.